rediscover the facets of yourself that have been kept hidden away for far too long. For just $1, you can take a journey and make it your ultimate transformation. Center of the Sun Plus offers more tools, support, and community to help you explore your inner realms. Click the link in the description to join today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, y'all, this is Amariah. If you have something weighing on your heart right now, chances are you could use some energy balancing. Healing is dynamic when we practice together. That's why I'm offering a free group Reiki session Sunday, November 15th at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll let out and lift up what arises with energy healing. Register on fluidjourney.com in the offerings tab under group sessions. That's F-L-U-I-D-J-O-U-R-N-E-Y.com. Thank you for listening. You, you can tell quite clearly that people have stressful home lives. Um, and a lot of that stems from problems with unemployment leading to problems with even that the, with the food that people eat. And you see limitations in the basic choices people have. There is awesome news, though. You want to be a light bulb in their dark and cluttered basement. You want to be a force for good, like the saint that enacted Free Donut Day. And you stand with open arms for those in need of comfort, just like the man who was giving out those free donuts the other day at Walmart, yesterday, whatever day it was. In addition, you see a lot of talk about health and mental and physical wellness and there's, there is something magical when you take care of yourself. Wouldn't you agree, Amariah? <laughs> yes, there is something magical that happens when you take care of yourself. Um, you know, it's very fulfilling. Exactly. So welcome to Center of the Sun podcast. <laughs> What's on your heart, Amariah? You know, um, there's a lot going on in the in the world and particularly around um, what's happening in the United States with the election and the vote counting and the slowness of the vote counting. Oh, my um, God. 
but you know, I'm, I'm patient and I'm hopeful and just really wanting, um, you know, regardless of how this all shakes out and, um, I want, I want people to become closer together and more connected and, and invest in their communities and in each other. Right. And I feel like the election is always a good time for us to remember that part about like living in a society. Anybody's society is that like we're always better together and there's nothing that we can do to change that. Except for die, I guess. You could die, but that's fine. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> What's on your heart, Javon? <laughs> oh, my God. This chocolate chip cream uh, little Debbie cake is on my heart right now. Oh, my God. It is so good. It's so, it's so sweet. I can't eat it, though. But oh. um, I love a sugar rush in the morning. Um, but only because my heart is so overjoyed. with, Because, I mean, I'm just going to say it. I definitely predicted that Joe Biden was the only candidate to beat candidate. I sound like a freaking journalist. The only candidate to beat Donald Trump. I wrote a blog. I don't know before he even announced that he was going to run. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I just feel a lot of validation. I feel very vindicated. I feel like um. I have enough information to predict things as an adult man. It's just, it's just great. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just happy that Joe Biden looks like he will be the president of America soon. We can, we can say it again because we've all been avoiding saying it. Yeah. Um, like we've been saying, your president, that president, that ugly ass man. I call him ugly ass bitch. But um, you know, I, I keep saying God don't like ugly. Not his physical appearance, his heart is ugly. And his the way he speaks to people and interacts with people is ugly. So I just feel great that all of that is ending. I knew it would end. Everybody was trying to doubt me, but it's the hope. That's really the thing. Like I was like, and not like Obama's level of hope, not the populist level of hope, but like real hope about like, no, the world is humans are difficult but we're not this damn difficult like i think that we learn eventually so i'm feeling good i feel like humans learned and um and all the shit that the conspiracy theorists were saying you know that's why center of the sun exists because it's like you better be careful what you be listening to because you never know so um but i'm glad that i wasn't able to let this conspiracy theorists sway me even because I love a conspiracy theory. Theory. <laughs> Did you hear any conspiracy theories over the over this election, Amariah? Um, I I did, but not any that I really invested in. In terms of like, I'm gonna go down the rabbit hole of YouTube and the Biden <laughs> crime family. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was trying to get myself together. <laughs> It was trash. Like, everything was so trash. Like, y'all are so bored. But that is, that's what I wanted to talk about with you today is because, like, if you don't fill up your mind with something that you want, it'll be filled up for you. And if in, and yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. Any thoughts? Yeah, I have some thoughts. Um Going along with that, I, I've i been reading this book called The Body is Not an Apology, The Power of Radical Self-Love. 
and it's written by Sonia or Sonia Renee Taylor. And she's a, a fat, queer, black woman, author, author, activist, and educator. Um, and some of the things I was connecting with in, in the book is that, yeah, that this um, idea that you were just speaking to, um, that we have to replace those negative thoughts, the thoughts that are placed there by um, this like oppressive society that teaches us that what we, who we are, um, or, or what we are or who we're to become is, is bad and wrong. And that's just not true that because we're being, um, that's, that's what our purpose is. So, um, I feel like some of oh, come on somebody. Woo! That's, that's a great, that's a great, when did you, when did you realize that? Was that something new that you came across? Yeah, I've, I feel like I've been processing um, what, we're, what we're calling in in this election moment and processing for myself um, the fear of being wrong in particular and being right or being perceived as right has always given me access to love, to confidence, to affection and applause from other people. And I felt like I was really verifying my existence um, through this being right. And now I realize that I deserve those things and other people deserve those things simply because they are who they are. And when I don't try to be right all the time, people around me get to see more of who I am and I don't have to defend my existence anymore. And I'm modeling for other people that it's okay to be learning things. Like you don't have to just know Exactly. And I know the election should be over, but I wanted to talk about the election real, real quick because it got me thinking about Andrew Yang, the, oh, really? the presidential um, dude, Andrew Yang, because I always knew Joe Biden was like the obvious, like whatever, like we have to choose Joe Biden because like the white people are mad, whatever. But in the background, I, I always liked Andrew Yang's idea of universal basic income because it divorces this fucked up idea that we are a commodity in that our value as a human is based on the amount of work we can do or I don't even know what and it's like this thing we ascribe to is this neoliberal thing but were you a fan of Andrew Yang when he was running? Um, I don't have much to say about Andrew Yang, but I do love the idea of universal basic income. I think that we deserve to live and um, not have to worry about certain things like where we're going to get food from or what if our rent's going to be paid. Like, we'll just have so much room for being creative and for caring for each other that is like not... Um, based on this, like, we have to, like, constantly figure out how we're going to survive. Like, we can actually thrive and and move into higher states of being. And, 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 and what's weird about it is that it's better for the collective. Like, it's a conservative ideal, just like healthcare is. Like, since we know everybody needs healthcare, it makes no sense why it's not organized in the cheapest and most efficient way. Even if we're not going to do socialized medicine, we should at least have a system that makes it as cheap as possible so that everybody can afford it. So that, it, you know, that the government or whatever the idea that we're trying to avoid doesn't have to pay for it. But 
um it's a conservative ideal that it's in the long term cheaper <laughs> to just take care of people than it is to fix problems um and that's true in healthcare that's true in multiple aspects and now it's becoming true in the economy because it's way cheaper to just pay the people to begin with than it is to bail them out or to subsidize walmart and the food stamps that we have to give you know like it's just like this the system is so expensive and it's just tilted to the corporation so um taking care of yourself i think it does start internally but it also there is a level of government governance that is missing as well yes for sure we need to like have a government that makes better choices and is willing to change in order to make those things available for us like that just means we have to break from from these patterns and that's hard to do when something has been working for people in power and the power has to shift and right I'm I'm willing to figure out how to do that. Especially because I'm like, okay, so what would you do? Well, you already own your own business and stuff. But like, say if you were working at the university that you were working at prior to this and Andrew Yang was president or whatever. And this is just a hypothetical and created the universal basic income because he was the only person that had it as an idea. Like there was like are super like socialist ideas like Andrew or not Andrew Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and then there was like Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in the middle and there was like Andrew Yang on the other side being like no we need to like do more capitalism but in order to do more capitalism we need to do the universal basic income to just respect humanity <laughs> at the basic level um so if you had like a full-time fancy ass administrator job and the United States came up with universal basic income, what would you have done? Would you have kept your job? I probably would have quit my job to do what I'm doing now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just How like, immediate would it have been, though? Oh, sorry, what'd you say? How immediate? How immediate? I would have finished out the school year, at least. You're so nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I, um, that is something that I, you know, would would have loved to be present for is is my students to the to the end of the year for sure. And you know, once once somebody, I feel like for me, when somebody's in my life, there, um, you know, like we we have a relationship. It it transcends the job, absolutely. But um, yeah, I would I would be doing what I'm doing now, hopefully. <laughs> And and helping to connect people with with their healing selves more. Right. And would you have stayed in Ohio if you had an extra thousand dollars a month? That's the immediate thing, because I would immediately learn, like, okay, how do I cash out my retirement? How do I get my ass out of this bitch? Like, because we are tied. It's like we're like tied here almost. Do you agree? Yeah, I feel tied here. My whole um world is kind of here and I visit other places. I don't know where else I would go at the moment, especially with right. COVID. Because um, I'm assuming COVID was still, would still be happening in this um, in this scenario. And you already moved at the beginning of, of COVID. I did. Which is kind of odd. Yeah, I did move. I did move, but it's still somewhere that's more so centrally located between 
different groups of people that I love. So it's it's definitely wasn't as challenging as moving to a coast or to a completely different state. Oh, my God. But now that the South is blue, well, parts of it are blue, I could see myself because I've always been like, oh, my God, like, I would never move to Atlanta. I would never move to the gay Mecca because, like, it's red. It's like a big blue dot and a red sea and i'm like not no more bitch it's a red it's a blue sea now um it is (laughs) but 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 now these places are are different colors um and ohio is solid red yeah i would check out atlanta we should we should go when the pandemic is is over it sounds so fun um but i just watch i follow a lot of people on twitter that's kind of like my audience is um that's when that's my original that's my ideal audience not that that's who watches me or listens to me but that's who i make content for is to help people that look like us um but specifically the gay black men from atlanta are always fighting so i'm always on twitter trying to connect with people and all i see are these fights and stuff so i would love to go um experience the fullness thereof um (laughs) because i'm sure it's more than just ratchet fights in like atlanta i'm sure it's more than that yeah of course of course it is there's um i went there a couple times to visit friends or to go to music festivals and such and i think it's just like um an eclectic city it's a place where you can like as a black person, I felt really comfortable there. I felt like there were black people and like, you know, like having um, just like getting tarot readings on the street and like giving tarot readings on the street or <laughs> vegan restaurants that were run by black people, which right. is like not as as common where I live now. So it exactly. was, it was and great. You live in the progressive part. I'm like, damn. Yeah, thriving. Hashtag thriving. Now, about the West, would you ever move out West? Because West, like Arizona and Nevada, those are blue. Um, I would like to check out California. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, my, um, what was my, what was his name? Isaac. One of, this dude that I really liked, um, I just never, like, he always... Um, would like text me and like buy me flowers and like go out on dates and you know I'm like really bad at dating. Oh, so cute! And it's, it was very cute. And I was just like, no, I can't. I'm not. I'm not in the place today or whatever it was. So he just moved to New Mexico. I was like, how dare you just leave me here? But I was like, damn. Like I guess people are moving west um, without any regard because there are more opportunities there than there are in Ohio. And for certain industries, so I'm in public health. Obviously, there are public health research hospitals in Arizona like they are in Ohio. But if you're in the service industry and you want to go do something on a rig or a truck or something, you can go do that very um, and very lucrative, too. So I always thought about like, well, and I talked to him, you know, after after he left, I, you know, I did talk to him like, how is it down there? He's like, it's just a lot of brown people, but it's fine. Um, no black people, so I'm like, well, damn. But I've always dreamt about like Colorado. 
Yeah, of course. Colorado is beautiful. There's lots of outdoorsy stuff to do there. And it seems like their their laws are catching up with um, a place where I'd want to be. So I would check it out there, too. But you said California. Why do you say California? Mainly because of the ocean. I love water. And my my friend Elena lives there in, in L.A. So I feel like, you know, there'd be a place where people would want to visit me. Um, exactly. Friends visit, definitely visited me in Cleveland. And I love that. Um, but no one was like itching to go to to Cleveland so it'd be my cool. um my co-worker's sister lives in a, in LA and she always goes to LA and her sister lives on like the ocean and like pays like a arm and a leg for a one bedroom but she goes there like all the time to go in her one bedroom on the ocean just to go to California I think she goes about twice a year so I don't blame you yeah yeah would you move out west I would I don't know if I would do I could do Colorado like where Christina lives like if I had money actual money um and I had like multi-million dollars to like build a house I would but that's really the only time like Colorado's really not worth it to me if I didn't have the money to invest in like the land and the, and the landscape and stuff Cause like living in the city is kind of just like ratchet. Like it's like I'd rather just live in Cincinnati. If I'm gonna live in like a little stupid city with a bunch of hippies, like I'd rather just stay where I am. But if I was gonna go like start a new life and like be better at whatever I'm doing, um, I need. I feel like Colorado, you need like more money to be comfortable there. Um, but if I were like to start fresh. I don't know if I trust California as a state. Um, I don't like the water. And I'm talking about like the resources there. Like their natural resources are too unclear as to the future of like the water and the droughts and stuff. And I literally just took a geology class and learning about all the fault lines and all that kind of stuff. I'm just like, you know, I don't know. And like, for instance, like the San Andreas fault is a, is a transform boundary. So it's not like it's going to create like a new mountain or something, but it's just slowly underneath the earth rubbing against each other and causing those tremors. That's what those tremors are is like the earth moving underneath the thing. It's really cool. It's cool stuff, but I would do like long story short, I probably do like Seattle or something. I know there are earthquakes there too, just as just as much. But if I were going to live in an earthquake ass, hurricane ass part of the world, I would live in Seattle because of the redwoods. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That sounds incredible. Have you been there before? Absolutely not, but I plan on going one day, hopefully, and then just pop over to Canada. It's so close to Canada. I just like it, but I like living north. I like the north, and I want to live near water, like a lot of water. Like when, like when the glaciers melt, I want to be the first one to with, with the scoop to be able to scoop it up. Um, nice. So <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Because that's what happens. That's that's what's gonna happen. It's gonna be a drought in the south. That's gonna be a flood up here, and whoever lives closer to the water gonna live the longest. So that's all I know about geology. Damn it. Yeah, I that reminds me of this article that I saw um, on Grist. That's it's called "We Broke Down What Climate Change Will Do Region by Region," and they basically talk about each thing that's like what's gonna happen first, like drought or flooding or um, just like it being really cold and killing the crops. And it looks like from this article um, that the Midwest is, is kind of where it's at, like where we should camp out because it will be affected, but not affected in these like very, very drastic ways right away. Right. And I'm from Northern Ohio. So I'm like, damn, I got to move back to my damn hometown because obviously my grandparents knew what the fuck they were doing when they chose Worcester in the 60s or the 50s moving up here. So I'm like, damn, there is an element of that. And really, honestly, to kind of segue, um, it's like that kind of collective consciousness thing that I wanted to speak on about following what makes you happy like you can't be trying to figure out what's going to be the cutest hottest thing you got to follow the feelings or like what makes you happy um because you can only fulfill your dream you can only fulfill your dreams you know you can only fulfill your life's purpose um if you focus on what makes you happy because like what if the world ended tomorrow what if you died tomorrow you know there's all of these things that could happen um, and it's all surrounding your habits. I think it surrounds your habits and your routines and your rituals. Um, what do you think, Amariah? I feel it's, um, yeah, going along with that, just being present. And there, there are a lot of ways that I have been like planning for the future and, 
Um, there are also ways that I want to be like rooted in the present too and figure out how like how to approach my life here. Like you said, with habits, um, developing habits that um, create the future that I want in the present. Exactly. Like, yeah, I would love one day to have um, like a house with a pool in the backyard or something where I can like lay on my back and look at the trees. But how can I create that today? Like I have a, um, a hammock and I have trees in my backyard. I can like stick my hammock up and look at the trees that way too. So exactly. Yeah. And I don't like being outside like that cause I'm allergic to everything, but you could also do it at the grocery store too. Like making sure like one of the biggest things that I learned as a 30 year old grown ass man is that um, breakfast is the most important meal of the day, whether you like it or not, whether it makes you feel sick or not, because um, it makes me feel sick to eat in the morning, so I don't. Me too. But um, but I would, like, draw people's blood, and I would be, like, shaken. And I'm like, I'm not nervous to draw blood. It's easy. I can see your vein right there. Like, I'm not nervous. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm having low blood sugar. Like, I need to get my shit together. And so I started really looking at, like, when I and not that I have to eat breakfast, I still don't eat breakfast. Like I still don't. But now I do fasting. So like I'll skip dinner. So it gives my body it's I had to retrain my body to not anticipate breakfast. Um, because when it anticipated breakfast, then I would get the shakes and stuff, and then your starvation mode kicks in and you start getting shaky and sweaty and stuff. Um so I started being able to manage it, but instead of trying to like what's the next new diet i need to do you know like what is the next atkins diet or the keto diet instead of doing all of that where can i water the grass right here like there is no grass on the other side so how could i how do i water the grass right here in front of me so i think that's all good but it all starts with your parents don't don't you think so yeah i i definitely feel a lot of these habits are like nurtured in the home and um like however you were were raised and those ideas that were um presented to you and like how how you um care for yourself uh, something that i've been reading more about is intuitive eating um which is like the concept of of following um following how your body feels like what you were stating about like um you notice something in yourself that you um, wanted to try to rectify and you found an approach that worked for you. And I think that's really important is like to, um, to try to get in touch with what, what you need and, and not always like being influenced by um, what the next like fad diet is or what the, the next like fad approach to, um, to wellness is because still they're trying to sell you something they're trying to sell you like this this happiness and um it's something that we we're like not ever gonna catch unless we figure out like what our relationship is to it and if we want to change that or not exactly exactly so um i think the thing with the parents that structure and it's not like they're getting your parents routines but i think it's like a structural thing that happens in childhood and i spoke with this ceo his name is melvin hines jr 
He uh, is the CEO of a organization called Upswing, and he's a very nice man. I was just like, oh my god! Like I saw him on YouTube, and he got funding through the Google Black Accelerator thing. I don't know what happened. I don't really know how it works, but I was like, let me contact him right now. I am so inspired, but. When I looked him up, I saw a lot of stuff about like his business and like his methodology of like working with people and stuff like that. But he just anecdotally would mention his parents and his upbringing. So I was like, you know what, Melvin, I need to know. I'm nosy. <laughs> like I'm nosy as hell. Last week we talked about your parents, Amari, and your grandma and stuff. And I think that it's very pivotal in how people are developed. So I have an interview. I recorded an interview with him. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, <laughs> excellent. I would love to hear it. Um, okay, well, um, I wanted to share that with you because, um, and next week we'll, you know, we'll kind of talk about your reaction to it. But um, I wanted to get Melvin's thoughts on what he, he on how his life is structured, um, and uh, and what started him on the path because it's like how do you become a ceo do you know how to become a ceo amariah i'm working on it right do you have any advice for people trying to become a ceo because it's like apparently it's hard <laughs> not at the moment <laughs> but um yes yeah, so melvin has melvin hines gives some really solid advice for any black person or person of color in general because what i wanted to make note for melvin is that like melvin you are not only a CEO, you are a black CEO and you have a startup. When I just read an article, I don't even know when I read the article. I think I said it in, in the interview, but I would just I was like asking Melvin, I'm like, you know that white venture capitalists refuse to even fund white women. So they're not even funding black people at all. Like they don't even fund their own people. They only fund other white men. Um, so like how do you navigate that? And he had really good advice. Um, one of them being money. So um, so I hope you get some value out of this, Amariah. I hope you enjoy it. Um, I wanted to give us a little bit of a break for not having an hour show. So I we're going to cut our part in half and then I'm going to play Melvin for you. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, um, okay. Well, I hope you have a good day and I'll talk to you tomorrow. And here's Melvin, Amariah. All right. Talk to you later. Hi. Oh. Hold on, let me get you off. Hello. How you doing? Doing good. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I apologize. I forgot about the time zone. I forgot like America no is, is huge. And that and that you're in Texas. I'm like, of course. Um, <laughs> no problem. How are you doing today? Well, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Just, you know, taking it one day at a time. There's always something crazy going on. So um, <laughs> it is what it is. Like a pandemic? Basically, basically. <laughs> yeah, I um, I, I work at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, oh, cool. and uh, I work in infectious diseases research. Oh, so wow. right now, yeah. I am like the busiest yeah, I've ever been, and everyone else is chilling out. <laughs> Everybody wants your number. Unfortunately, and I'm not even a doctor, and I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> um, so yeah, so. <laughs> Luckily, I was able to sneak out today and come talk to gotcha. you. I'm very excited. Yeah, yeah, same here. Same here. I'm glad we got a chance to do this. Right. Thanks for talking with me. Um, you're, you're like a big wig, so I'm just like, oh, I'm just, I'm just I honored. I don't know about all that. I'm, you know, 
I'm just trying my best to to make sure that Upswing's still alive tomorrow. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, that's that's the work of a of a CEO. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that today. But I really just wanted to um, I saw you on Google startups. Oh, cool. And I was like, wait. <laughs> Hold on, there is there is a lot going on with this pandemic, but I had no idea there were so many successful startups that Google wanted to fund. So I was like, oh crap, let's at least write down these people. And so I contacted you and thank thankfully you responded. So thank you so much for being responsive and prompt. Yeah, yeah, no problem at all. No problem at all. Thanks for reaching out. What was that experience like with Google? uh it was it was a really good experience um it was i had no idea what to expect it was actually we were actually the inaugural cohort so um you know we were all kind of going through it uh for the first time to kind of you know see what the experience was going to be like but they were they were definitely really helpful um they were really open to our questions and feedback and you know um thoughts about how things could be improved and um you know very flexible we were, we got a mentor um like we each were assigned a mentor when we first got started so that was really helpful and just making sure that you know we were getting the most out of the google experience possible um and then yeah we you know it's google of course so having the name uh helped a lot in terms of just generating uh just awareness of upswing publicity like the things you know, like really trying to share with people the things that we were doing, um, just started to get out there more and more. So it's it's been an exciting time. Was it like a boot camp? Did they have you like out in the mud or something? Or <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a virtual boot camp. So if they if they could have us in the mud, they probably would. But <laughs> but um, no, we were just we there were a ton of different workshops and classes. And what was really cool was that it wasn't just, oh, we're going to talk to the CEO and then that's pretty much it. And you have to figure out how to decipher it for all your staff. Um, instead, you know, they had a section for marketing. So I could bring like our marketing folks in. They had a section for, uh, you know, the engineering team. So our entire engineering team was on, on some of those uh, for products, for sales, um, for uh customer service or customer success so it was it was really helpful in just you know aligning our entire organization around thinking differently um and strategically about where we want to go and how we get there wow i had no idea it was that involved um but uh but i guess that is the work that that you do is quite nuanced it's yeah. quite um heavy uh, important work and I'm glad you got the opportunity because um, yeah the, these large corporations they have a lot of reputations um, right. <laughs> people have all kinds of positions about them but at the end of the day when you know there is this like corporate goodness or corporate um, I don't know uh, goodwill or something that 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 they have to sow or intentionally sow out here in the world so yeah that's mm -hmm. really cool I'm really yeah. glad you went through that. Yeah, same here. Same here. It was, like I said, definitely a rewarding experience. I'm like so glad that I was chosen to be a part of that, and um, our team is as well. You know, uh, and you know, even after the demo day ended, you know, they were still telling us, "Hey, look, we want to be there for you. So any way that we can help 
provide any sort of support, just let us know. So I'm definitely going to be taking them up on that. Right. Good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you have sustainable. Yeah. The, the sustainability part, because there's like a lot of stuff about, um, I remember seeing, and sorry, I'm kind of going off track. Sorry. But I remember seeing specifically about venture capitalism, like in the last year about how like venture capitalists, like you always have to, um, they never, they never, they nearly never, they nearly ever fund black people and they don't ever fund women. Mm -hmm. And it's like venture capitalists is like this like insulated thing. So I'm glad yeah. you're able to get other kinds of funding. Cause I know it can be hard out here for people of color, especially yeah. black. Men. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think, I think less than 1% of all VC funded startups are uh, black or brown founded. So it's, uh, the numbers are, are definitely, and, and, and it's not just, it's not just about us. It's about the ideas, right? So, um, when I tend to kind of share with people about, um, you know, the, the shark tank, right. And, and how you'll see, say, you know, a woman who's standing in front of the sharks and is pitching some idea, um, that's, that's for women. And what will tend to happen is that a lot of the guys will say, well, you know, um, I don't really know much about like this product or this market. So I'm out. Right. And what they don't recognize, what they don't realize is that if enough people who look like them say that, then those ideas that help an entire community and that could generate a, a whole wealth of funding um, get shut out as well. And so that's basically what tends to happen in the VC world is that there are fewer products designed for minorities. There are fewer products designed for women because there are fewer VCs that are willing to put money behind it. And so, you know, that cycle certainly needs to change if we're going to, you know, be able to see, you know, more innovation out there. If and if they want to make more money, by the way, because there are these hidden, like untapped markets that just, you know, need that funding in order to be realized. Right. And I, um, I'm very lucky. I don't know how I did, but the reason, the reason why I shifted gears, um, my podcast to talking about business was because I met a black venture capitalist, but he was Canadian. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, his perspective of like, all of how what is going on you know if, you don't, <laughs> if you're not from america or had like that exact experience it's hard to contextualize like race yeah. um, in other places it's because it's like ours is so crazy our the way we talk about and deal with race and white supremacy and all that kind of stuff is vastly different than a lot of other people do yeah um, and we yeah. don't even and we talk it's ingrained in us but um but it's very interesting, but I was intrigued um, that there are these pockets of people that um, have found success. And I find yeah. it very interesting because I know, um, I work at the College of Medicine at the University of Cincinnati, in addition uh, to having you know my own aspirations. So I, I work in public health. Um, okay. But I also am a podcast producer, social media content creator and all of that stuff, blogger, Jack-of-all-trades. Say that again, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just said jack-of-all-trades. I try to, but it's more so um, just the energy, you know, like a high-energy kind of thing. Like, I'm just, I've always been curious, even as a kid, and I recognize that in other people as well, especially in these 
people that are able to found these businesses against all odds. Like no one even wants to fund you and like you're still doing it and you are not discouraged at all. So I, um, and you may be discouraged and that's what I, I wanted to talk about today. It was like kind of that transformation. I've, I asked about you out here in these streets and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you have a lot of good, um, solid information about upswing itself. Um, but I kind of wanted to talk about Melvin Hines. I want to know about you because you would put little things in your interviews about your family and stuff. And I'm like, I want to know more about <laughs> that stuff. But, um, you know, every single person on this planet experiences life in their own way. And um, I'm really big on trying to figure out the energetic purpose of why we do things. Mm. So to kind of get started on the even though we've been talking already but to kind of start on the questions that i have for you specifically yeah um can you kind of give a little bit about where you come from and kind of how you started on this path yeah sure so um i'm originally from a small town in south georgia called albany um it's about maybe a hundred thousand people um it my parents were actually uh, in the military, so we traveled around a pretty good bit. Um, and when my dad, uh, so we were actually stationed down in Albany, Georgia, um, during like the Desert Storm period. And so uh, that's basically how we ended up there. My dad was um, was gone at that point in time to you know to prepare for the you know the war that never happened <laughs> and um and you know which was fortunate and then um he he came back and and both my mom and dad still worked for the military base in albany as civilians and so that's uh that's kind of my earliest sort of memories of of going to albany and um really being a part of a community that was vastly different from what I, I, you know, had known earlier in life kind of growing up, you know, you're talking about just how race plays a part in so many different things. I think that that was one of those times when it really kind of <laughs> shone through even more, um, you know, being in uh, some of the, my earlier schools when, uh, you know, there was just a lot of tensions between, you know, whites and blacks and things like that. And so, um, that, that definitely was a pretty interesting time period. Um, I eventually ended up, uh, going to, um, some of the like more Metro Albany schools. And it was during that time period where you can really begin to see some of the bigger differences in terms of just what opportunities were there, uh, for, for various students. You know, I had 250 students, uh, in my freshman class. And by the time graduation came around, there were, you know, there were only 68 of us left. Um, you know, a lot of students. Wait, hold on. Wait, what? Yeah. Uh, who was the guidance counselor or the principals? Like, <laughs> what in the world? Well. That's a good question. You said that your parents were like military parents and stuff like that. So you had a very strict childhood. Um, oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. You know. Um, like school and everything like church and everything like how strict uh pretty strict you know um like definitely uh everything you know from like chores to you know uh 
yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am, all that sort of stuff. We definitely were, um, you know, at church like every Sunday and Wednesday. Um, yeah, we were we we're pretty much like your, you know, the the what you would expect the family in South Georgia to be. <laughs> right, right. And so, do you think that is what kept you in school? Because out of that's like a hundred percent failure rate in my mind. I'm like, that's. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. My, uh, you know, my parents were very adamant that they wanted. It it was it was crazy. They it was almost like they were able to kind of see past what was in front of us a lot of times. Um, they were very adamant that they wanted um, a lawyer and a doctor. So, you know, they were, um, I ended up going to law school. My brother ended up going to, uh, he's actually up in New York uh, going to medical school right now. Um, so they were, you know, that was, that was very important to them was to see those kind of uh, things happen for their children. And, you know, by the way, they they fought really hard to make sure that those things were happening. So it wasn't just about how they raised us, but how they conditioned themselves as well. Both of my parents were uh, were you know what's defined as non traditional students. Um, my mom would travel back and forth. Uh, you know, it's about forty five. Sorry about that. Um, it was about a forty five minute drive to um, the local. Kind of university called Georgia Southwestern State University. She would go there um, just time and time again in order to, uh, you know, improve her educational standing. My dad would drive down to about Austin State University, which was probably about an hour, hour and a half away, to do the same. And this was all while they were both raising us. So um, they were, you know, they were really, um, I'd say, strict with themselves as well about how they wanted to see us succeed you know by example and yeah that has definitely permeated through so you uh so you're not a doctor are you are you a lawyer like <laughs> licensed lawyer uh no i um that was where <laughs> that was where i think i started kind of diverging from some of the ideas that they had i uh went to i went to duke university for a law school um and my first year, and I kind of had this, I think, very idealistic um, vision for just what what the law could produce and things like that. And um, and then I went to do a summer internship, and I think all of all of that idealism kind of came crashing down a little bit. So um, I decided that I would uh, instead pursue the JD MBA program. Um, and uh, found myself in business school where just the opportunities for, you know, success and things like that were, it was just really eye-opening. Um, never really thought about how you could use business and economics to, um, to improve, you know, the state of people's lives and things of that nature. So that, that's kind of where everything kicked off for me with like entrepreneurship, with, um, the idea of what can you do to level the playing field with education and all that great stuff um, and, and really started me off on my pursuits. Well, that's great. Uh, what was the experience in, what was the experience like then choosing to do a startup? Cause that's kind of like a very risky out of, out of all the careers. I feel like that's a, one of the more riskier choices. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely risky for sure. I I did a lot of things that uh, I would not recommend everyone else to do in order to keep upswing moving. Um, I would say, you know, in those early days, so I I graduated when I was around 27, um, hadn't really worked full time yet. And so I, um, you know, other than having the opportunity to teach uh, at uh, part time at a local um, HBCU there called North Carolina Central University. And I was working in, in the consulting field for a little while, for about a year and doing that on the side and was really, you know, even though I was enjoying like money for the first time, which was pretty awesome. I uh, was really thinking that, man, my, my heart's still kind of pulling me over to, you know, this idea of education and equality, like thinking back to the people I went to school with, you know, those 68 out of 250 and how can we really make better and bigger changes there. And so, um, after hearing some of the conversations that were happening between myself and some of the students that I was teaching over and over again, they weren't, they weren't academic in nature. A lot of them were, you know, how did you decide what career you wanted to do? Like what school, what major? I began to notice, man, you know, a lot of times like these types of students, um, you know, first generation students, et cetera, are um, also struggling to have mentors and guidance and things like that to kind of help them navigate and and it'd be great if there was a way to make this a lot easier for them. And so that was really the idea, like the earliest idea for Upswing was to pull that together in a way where students um, could connect in with, you know, people who are working in engineering or working in tech and can, you know, begin to um, have those connections and think about where they want to do next. Um, and so, yeah, that was that was really the first fruits of Upswing. We started it in 2013 and have just been rolling ever since, basically. Good. So you said that you've made a lot of choices that you wouldn't recommend other people <laughs> make. Um, did you also get a lot of criticism in these last, I guess, seven or eight years? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> so how would you say you rose above it? Um, that is a good question. I would say the hardest thing, so the hardest thing about getting started was, was I think what society kind of puts on you in terms of like what success looks like. And so success looks like taking home a bigger and bigger check. Um, and and really, you know, who cares, like, what happens, like, outside of the, everything else, just as long as you're taking home larger and larger checks. And for me, I don't know, it just, it didn't feel right. I mean, after a certain while, it's just like, okay, like, what am I doing that's, like, contributing to society? Um, so I remember when I, when I was <laughs> telling my parents that I was going to, you know, quit this job that... Um, was paying really well and it was kind of the culmination of all this schooling that I had done to start a startup and it did not go over very well at all. Nice. Um, and so it did feel very lonely for a while there. Like, you know, um, there wasn't, there wasn't uh, really that network 
um, at that point in time, like there are, there is now for a lot of entrepreneurs. And even though everyone had kind of heard about some of the biggest guys like out West, I mean, we were in North Carolina, it was still a kind of a small burgeoning kind of thing. Um, so I think that a big part for me was just recognizing that, look, um, you know, at this time I'm basically about 28. If things don't work out well, like I can probably, you know, go and maybe beg for my job back or look for a job somewhere else. Um, it won't be the end of the world, but at least I tried. That was kind of what I was thinking. And actually in the back of my mind, I was thinking, I'm going to give this six months, right? I had like set aside money for six months. I'd saved that much money. Um, and so let's see what happens. Um, and I was very naive. It takes way more than six months to know if things are going to work or not. But right. um, but that was kind of how I kept kept doing it. Was just like I'm just going to do this six months at a time. And I'm naturally, I would say, a very I would call it pessimistic, but like realistic per, kind of person. So I wasn't thinking, okay, you know, I knew the stats. You know, that less than one percent of startups are VC funded. That like very few like minorities um, are founders. So you know, to me, it was just. I'm going to just put my all into this, like work as hard as I can for this time period. And if it doesn't work out, at least I got it out of my system. At least I, I tried, you know, that kind of thing. And turns out that, you know, six months in, it looked like there was hope. So let's do it another six months. Six months in, it still seemed like there was some hope. So we just kept going. And now it's been, you know, seven years. Oh, that's great. Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> that's a great success story because it does get lonely. And oh, especially yeah. when everyone's like, you got to be great. You got to be great. And you're like, mm -hmm. but there's reality. Um, yeah. You've been successful. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. I, I think that we probably, as entrepreneurs, finally feel successful when, you know, when the company is, is like, been acquired <laughs> or IPO'd, then we're like, okay, we've been successful. Like um, until then, we're just trying to, you know, not be that statistic. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, do you have any um, any advice or anything or any um, anything that that you could share in terms of what you would tell your younger self that you would that you wish you had known? Hmm, that's a good question. Um. I think the first thing I would tell my younger self is to save more money. <laughs> that would have put made things a lot less stressful. Um, even if that meant having to, you know, work part time or work full time and do this part on the side or at night for a little bit longer than I would have liked. Um, that's that would be the first thing. The second thing I think I would have told myself is to probably just to, to just keep just believing and trusting that, you know, this is the right path. Um, you know, keep the faith is really important. There were lots of times when, you know, it kind of felt like my faith was being tested for sure. Um, that would definitely be there. And then there would probably be a lot of smaller tactical things I would tell myself about how to handle specific situations. <laughs> like staffing or like, um, like, what do you mean? Yeah, staffing, uh, investing, um, you know, handling different just like crises and things like that. Um, 
I think that, you know, there's, there's a, there's a lot that people, I think, over um, index on when it comes to what makes a successful company. And then there's a lot that they under index on. So I think a lot of people tend to, uh, you're going to say something. No, I was just saying, Oh, like, Oh yeah, that's a, that's very interesting. I I've never heard anybody um, kind of mention it or speak on it, on it in that, in those terms. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people over index on, on the startup itself, the idea, you know, is this a great idea? Is this not a great idea? Um, I think there's a ton of really great ideas that are out there. What they under index on is um, the team and what makes a successful team. Um, it's really interesting because it goes back to, I think some of the <laughs> interesting ideas around um, minorities being uh, funded at, at less higher rates, because if I had, if I had money, and I was looking to invest in a startup, I would focus on team way more than product. Every one of my dollars would go to go to the team, not the product. Because if you have the right team in place, they'll figure it out. You know, they'll they might have to pivot a couple times, but they'll definitely figure it out. We were actually in this um, accelerator, and you know, there were people. I remember walking that first day, and there were just the most amazing of ideas. I mean, crazy off the wall ideas, and they were accomplishing them. And we were just like, oh man, we're just like, nobody's compared to everyone else. You know, we're just trying to do this little small education thing. And um, I remember it was my team and then another team that would just be there late at night and early in the morning, just all the time. And by the end of that cohort, um, we were the two that were ranked the highest. And to this day, we're the two that are the only ones that still exist. Um, it's, it's really about that team. That's what matters the most. And for minorities, you know, for a lot of minorities, I can't speak to all minorities, but for a lot of minorities, there are certain challenges that you've had to overcome um, in life that makes you, I think, especially kind of Teflon to some of the challenges that are going to happen in the startup world. Um, and when those challenges occur, like sometimes you have to be irrationally resilient. You know, you have like there will be the offer to go back into the, you know, corporate world and make X amount of money. And it's a very rational decision to do so. Like no one can hate you for making that decision. And yet you have to somehow find a way to stick it out and continue going down that route. And there's a lot of other people who, you know, um, during the first like bump in the road or hurdle with the founder or, you know, term sheet that falls through, something like that. Um, product that fails miserably that like, it's just like, I'm done. And then that's it because they haven't really had to deal with like life challenges. And so um, even when we're hiring for my team internally, that's one of the questions that I ask. Like, I want to find out what are some of the things that like folks have been through? What are some of the challenges they've had to go through in their lives? You know, maybe it's something that was medical. Maybe it's something that, um, is you know due to discrimination or or due to poverty like i want to hear their resilience hear their story of overcoming because those are the people who i want on my team and um and so that, that's one of the things i think that a lot of investors a lot of vcs just tend to under index on wow that's that's actually yeah because uh i've only seen 
uh, virtual or not virtual, but uh, fictional TV versions of uh, venture capital things. And it's always, they always dramatize the people. But um, I just always thought that was just for the sake of the show. But it, hearing <laughs> you talk about it, it seems like it does make it does make a difference when you're all living together in one house, eating burritos or in a garage or something. Yep. The camaraderie yep. makes all the difference. Yeah, exactly. And being able to find a way to keep that, right, even during the hardest times, it's really easy for everyone to be, you know, friendly and great with each other when... <laughs> when everything's going well and money's Google's, uh there right and google's there yeah exactly right. um it's it's not as it's not as helpful during those really difficult times when you really have no idea where the next you know patron you know payroll run is going to come from like that's when it really does test everyone test all the founders test the commitment of the team and you know seeing seeing my team kind of go through that fire and come out on the other side i mean that's you know, that means the world to me. Wow. So I don't want to keep you too long because I know you're a CEO. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I heard you liked Outcast. Is that I'm right? Yep. Yeah. Who is your favorite? You like Big Boy or Andre 3000? Who, who's your favorite? Uh, it depends on how I'm feeling that day. So, okay. you know, if, <laughs> if it, you know, if it's a, if it's a, all right, like let's let's like make this workout happen kind of thing. Then it's big boy, you know. If it's if it's more of like a all right, I want to kind of be in my in my feelings a little bit, you know. Then it might be Andre. <laughs> all right. Oh well, that's well, that's awesome. I think um, at the end of the day, you have to take care of yourself. And yeah. um, and music, I'd say music is the music of the universe or the, the language of the universe. So. Oh yeah. Um, I'm very yeah. happy. Yeah. I, I, I was happy to hear that. I was like, oh, yeah, we have something in common. Yeah. Um, all right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, um, that's those are all the questions that, that I have. I really appreciate oh. you talking with me and taking some time to start early and yeah. ridiculous uh, time zone mishap here. But um, no, no worries. No worries at all. But well, I appreciate you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for, for having me. Um, this is really great. I'm glad to, to you know get a chance to connect with you. And Hey, keep up the great work. I really, um, you know, think that this is this is just a great and well needed podcast. And also, just you know, I know that this time period here must be just so difficult for you and just everyone else who's trying to make sure that the rest of us stay safe. So um, definitely, it's, frustrating. Kudos to you for... it's very <laughs> frustrating, but you know, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, but I work on behalf of the of the public's health, so the public's health is my health. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so at the end of the day, that is kind of, I can even be cynical and still ha have a purpose. So <laughs> I'm very, I'm very happy. Um, well, thank you again. And what are you going to do today? Uh, more work, more work, nonstop. All right. Well, I hope you have a great day and thanks again. Thanks, and you I, too. I will talk to you later. Sounds great. Take care. All righty. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make the brave decision to venture within, you will unlock your true potential so you can push forward with confidence, conviction, and a purpose. For only $1, you can become a Center of the Sun Plus Gold member and get closer to that purpose. No matter how difficult the process may be, remember it's your resilience and commitment that will ultimately lead you to where you want to go.